your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Confusion about Mark Stone's return. More after this. Hi again, everyone. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick on this Friday edition of Locked On Vegas Golden Knights. Make sure that you subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel, Locked On VGK. On Twitter, you could find us. I am at Tony Dasco. Chris is at TD Chris G. And you could find, of course, us at Locked On VGK. And make sure that you check us out the first thing each and every day, wherever you find your podcast. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, Chris, an NHL.com story that came out this week uh, had said it meant confused matters even more about Mark Stone added to the drama. When will the star top liner, the captain of this team, Mark Stone be making his return. First, that report that he might not be available for uh, for camp. And then VGK bombards this said journalist uh, with a variety of tweets. And, of course, Kelly McCrimmon talked about it by saying that he's skating every day, expected to return sometime soon, start of the season. What is going on? This is where I talk. Okay. Um, that, that, that's a good question. That, 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 that's a good question. I'm not exactly sure what's going on, nor am I overly concerned about what's going on. He's coming off a back injury, a, a major situation. He said back in the summer, I was actually listening to that one live. Um, but he said over the summer, he expects to be ready. He also actually made a comment in that same NHL.com interview back in about June that he wants to play the L.A. Kings, Kings Kings in the Chrome Domes, Knights in the Gold Domes. He made that comment in this, the same interview when he mentioned he might want to come back. So look for that, folks. I, I can't wait for that. Everyone's going to hate it if that happens. It'll be so much fun. But back to uh, Mark Stone. Yeah, there, there's some confusion going on. I saw Gary Lawless put out a tweet simply mentioning, hey, minor miscommunication, move forward. The team said what they've said. And everyone's making comments about it. But I don't think this is a big deal. If he's not ready for camp, I don't care. If he's not ready for the first four, five, six games of the season, it's not that big of a deal. This is 82 games. Our top nine is pretty deep. We do have reinforcements available. Can you directly replace Mark Stone? Of course you cannot do that, folks. We, we get that. But if he's not out there opening nights, getting his name called as a skater, it's not that big of a deal. If he misses camp, it's not that big of a deal. He's been in the NHL for a very long time. He's already very uh, acclimated, I'm sure, to Cassidy and what he's trying to do here. Stone is a professional. He is the leader of this team. He'll be just fine. Whether that just fine means he actually does partake in training camp or whether that just fine means he misses four, five, six games of the regular season to start, it doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. I know um, VGK definitely spoon feeds us at times uh, content to talk about, but this is one of those things that I think is just, you know, snowballing to a bigger spot than needs to be. Okay. So uh, Mark Stone, we know his productivity and they definitely want him on the ice. 
I've got back issues for years and they never seem to go away. I mean, he's going to wake up sore after, you know, his back takes a pounding some nights. And I'm just not sure. I don't know what that uh, particular back surgery was or what uh, the end result is going to be or how he's even recovering. The surgery was in May, has a little bit of time over the summer to mend. Uh, he will be a vital part of this VGK offense uh, six times, Chris, over 60 points. And last season in limited games, I think it was like 37 games and he had nine goals and 21 assists. So he's always been productive, but can they keep him healthy? That's the bigger question. So a couple things there. And also keep in mind the, the 37 game stat line includes the last, you know, six, seven games of the season when he was basically just out there doing the best he could. I think he had one goal. Uh, during that time, probably a small handful of assists, but his points per game clip was certainly much stronger before going down around, uh, was it February or something like that, or even late January? Um, you know, the other thing we need to revisit here, Tony, we, I, I forgot, um, a, a doctor was very generous with his time on our Twitter handle. We're going back right when this uh, situation happened with Mark Stone and described exactly what was, you know, in his perspective, what was happening. Uh, what the potential recovery was going to be and what um, the possible outlook would be once he's done. And I do recall everything seemed very, pardon me, very favorable as far as once, you know, he got through all this. But again, to your point, yeah, I certainly got back issues. My dad's got back issues. Everyone's got back issues, you know, it seems like, and they don't go away. Now, the difference between us and Mark Stone, we don't have uh, that type of insurance and, you know, those types of sports doctors uh, working on our backs trying to heal us. But, you know, still back issues do not ever go away. They get better. They get worse. And, you know, like I remember uh, in my uh, amateurish beer league hockey days, like I could I could take a hit. I'd fall down. It wouldn't bother me that much. But I'd be walking down the hallway and I would just like stop and turn around for, for a second. And boom, my back is tweaked and it kills me for two weeks. So, you know, backs are certainly a very strange mystery as far as uh, from a health perspective and why they go out, why they uh, don't go out and stuff like that. And, you know, hopefully uh, Mark Stone, I mean, Mark Stone has marveled about uh, about our um, our trainers and things like that. And the doctors, as Alec Martinez did, you know, that Alec Martinez, I think, uh, at one point almost credited our staff, our medical staff with keeping his career going. So I think Mark Stone is in good hands. I think uh, we as VGK fans, not necessarily me, I'm not freaking out. I'm, I, I can care less if, if Stone misses the first few games of the season, he'll be fine. But as far as VGK fans think making a big deal out of this one, th- this is one of those spots, folks, please pump the brakes and just, uh, just let's see how it all plays out. Just see how it all plays out. So don't freak out just yet. So he was hurt, injured uh, initially, Uh, Although they said his back issues were over the summer of last year, right? And uh, the big game that we recall was the second game of the season, October 14th, that 6-2 to loss to the Kings. And uh, that was the game where he took a shot, I believe, from the slot and then non-contact injury, and he came off the ice. And I talk about confusion. At that point, I thought it was a leg injury because – he couldn't even get off the ice and couldn't even stand up. And if I were, his, it was his back, right? It, I think I mean, so. Initially, I, I'm not a thousand percent sure. I'm sure. I'm sure your YouTube friends will, will correct you if you're wrong, though, Tony. Don't worry about that. But um, friend, what I, I, I do, think with, I have just one friend. On there. That's okay. They, hey, they, they want they want me to run the show, Tony. So that uh, there, there's a petition going. I think uh, your days are numbered. So you know. 
Here's the keys, bro. No thanks. Bro, no thanks. Swan. No thanks. No thanks. I'm I'm cool. This is good, just like this. Um, but if I do remember, I thought he came. And again, this I, I'm I'm muddy here right now, folks. But I feel like it was kind of known he was having some issues coming into the season last year, and he takes it takes that injury in the second game. I thought he came back pretty quick and maybe missed some time. I, I don't recall exactly, and I'm not even. I don't care to look it up right now. But I feel like this was kind of known, and maybe. He tried to rush back a little bit. So I think we should take that learning experience and just not get worried if he does miss up to the first 10 games of the season. Give him 10 games. If he misses the first 10 games of the season and he gets back to it, fine. Um, I look back, this is not a direct comparison, but you know, if he if Stone does miss the first few games, I mean when Stone when Stone went down last year, that's really when things also went south for BGK. I think that's a, a very important thing to note as well. So if Mark Stone misses 10 games, misses the first 10 games, and VGK treads water, they're five and five, they're four and six, even three and seven or something like that. I go back to season two when unfortunately Nate Schmidt had his 20 uh, something game suspension um for the performance enhancing whatever terminology you want to use. I'm not going to say use steroids because that's just, uh, uh, just PEDs. that's just dumb. But PEDs, PEDs, PEDs yeah, PEDs. Um, and, you know, the team had a rough start without Nate Schmidt. Well, Nate Schmidt comes back and the team railed off just an obscene amount of points over the next 20 games or something like that. So, you know, let's um, – a lot of changes coming up into this season, starting at the top with the coaches, starting with the roster, starting with Mark Stone's unknown which is a fair way to put it right now his unknown availability but let's give it you know at least 10 games I think before we uh we start you know getting really nervous me and you obviously as far as what we do and the fans for uh you know flooding uh the the golden knight social media for saying oh all is lost all is lost like let's just you know don't freak out just yet give it about 10 12 games okay once our roster is out there then you can start making assessments about what the year might hold. Chris, within those 10, 12 games, you and I are anticipating perhaps a slow start for VGK. Uh, How deep can they go for a slow start before people do become alarmed? Well, how deep before reasonable people become alarmed or how deep before some of the VGK fan base becomes alarmed? Because, you know, folks, the VGK fan base is on eggshells right now. They are nervous, and that's okay. I get it. We we are accustomed to something that no NHL fan base should be. A, this is not the norm, folks. This is not how expansion hockey works. You don't have three of your first four seasons where you sniff the Stanley Cup and then a very dynamite roster where you unfortunately have some injuries. This is not normal, folks. If you want to learn about normal, go look at Buffalo. Let's let's fire a shot back at Buffalo, folks, because all Buffalo seems to do is crap on us for taking Jack Eichel. So, Go look at the Buffalo Sabres for the last 20 years. Go look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, see what they've done. Let's look at the Chicago Blackhawks before their amazing run of the 2010s. Ultimately, that was, a do- that was I would say, without a shadow of a doubt, from 2010 to 2020, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks as a franchise was the team of that decade. But look at what happened from 2000 to 2010. It was absolutely terrible. So, folks, this is this is part of the cycle right now, and... There's no reason to flip out if the first few games don't go well because things seem to turn in our best interest for VGK. Now, reasonable question, how long should we give before we make an assessment if the season's going to be great, middle of the road, or not so great? 
I really think the quarter pole is where you can start looking at that around the 21, 22 game marker. That's the point when you can start saying, okay, we might have an idea where this thing is going to go. And I also think that's probably where McCrimmon, McPhee and Foley for that matter are going to be looking at things when looking at the roster, deciding if they need to make another move at that point, because I think we're still in agreement that the goalie situation is kind of strange. And I'm going to, you know, teaser, I'm going to hit on that and what the Friday in a few minutes, but you know, I think that's where um, our leadership is going to look at things and decide which way this thing might go. Pardon me. Okay. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about uh, who might be on that third line for VGK. A big question mark. Chris wants to address that coming up after that in our third segment today. What the Friday? You don't want to miss it. You're listening to Locked On Golden Knights. BetOnline.net, the fastest, the easiest way to check out on all your sports betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, that season in full effect right now, NFL coming up in a week plus, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports, wagering information, from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today. Or use our mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Tony Cradasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. Find us wherever podcasts are available. Uh, Chris, before I get into this segment, I just wanted to do a little cross-promotion tease. My radio show on Saturday morning, 98.5 The Fan, and on Odyssey everywhere. Uh, we have a guest on, Larry Olmsted, at 9 o'clock, and this author will talk about Las Vegas as the best city for sports fans. He has a new book out that also has a chapter that is dedicated to the Golden Knights and how sports helped Las Vegas heal after October 1st. Pretty interesting. It's, so that's it's coming really... up tomorrow, 9 a.m. Just just kind of going going off the rail here for a second. I mean, you think back to like the sports history of this town, you know, basically pre-2017, post-2017, and just what's happening with uh with the Golden Knights, with the Raiders, um, uh, with the WNBA. Now they're talking about NBA coming, and you know, there's soccer visibility with the lights and possibly an MLS team. The Aviators, what's happening? I mean, the Aviators outdraw the athletics right now, folks. So the athletics, they're out of Oakland. I don't care what anyone says about that, but that's my amateur angle there. Um, and then F1, I mean, F1, like that's the big one. And we got a Super Bowl down the road, too. I mean, this is what's happened in this city, folks. And the Golden Knights started. The Golden Knights are why this is all happening. So I, I, I'll try and definitely check that out tomorrow morning. That sounds super cool. All right, it's tomorrow morning, 98.5 HD2, The Fan, Las Vegas, and everywhere on the Odyssey app. And so we wanted to talk about the third line for VGK. That's been a big question, Mark. You and I have discussed this at nauseum during the offseason. And, you know, a typical, I think, personally, a third line could look something like this with Stevenson, Waugh centering, and then Howden or Kessel. I want to get you riled up this morning. <laughs> no, and I, I don't know. I just don't know. I'm not feeling confident that they are going to come again, come hell or high water, break up the misfit line. So I don't know that they're going to put Willie Carlson on the third line. With, with my with my line combos, you know, again, I'm expecting that call from uh, 
you know, from uh, Cassie a second to ask my opinion. So uh, I have it ready to go. I, ha- I keep it in my pocket all the time. I think the misfit line should actually spread out across all three lines. Um, before I get to the third line, just my amateur recap of assuming we have a healthy-ish roster, of course. Um, I'm starting with Eichel, obviously, at the line one center. And I want to see March or so and Kessel on the wings. I just think that with on the third line, on the first line, first line, first oh, line, sorry. first okay, line. I might have said that wrong. I'm apolo- my apologies if I said that wrong. But with Eichel's ability to create space, with Phil Kessel's ability to make perfect precision passes, you you could see a lot of plays where Eichel creates just all this space. Kessel is kind of camped out around somewhere on the one of the circles, and then you got Marcheseau kind of right off, you know, a few feet off the slot, and, you know, just those triangle one, two, three, tic tac toe type plays. I can see a lot of stuff like that. Marcheseau is now our best finisher. Um, you know, I mean, Eichel, I guess, should be our best finisher, but I think Marcheseau could also be uh, one of our best finishers, and I think that is a very tough line to combat. Our second line, I think, is our most versatile line with my combinations. Stevenson at center with Stone. Those two had so much chemistry in the last season. I think Stevenson is much better as a center versus being a winger and we heard um we heard McCrimmon make the comment that the line of Stevenson Stone Pacioretty was one of the best statistical lines all in the in all the AHL I didn't see the stats he was looking at but if he's making that comment there is something out there to support that and then I want to see Riley Smith complimenting them going back to season one folks line two was an issue if you recall it was Eric Kala, James Neal Dave Perron That line could score. That line could put up points. There's no doubt about that. They could not play defense, though. They were, I don't recall what the stat lines were for that line, but that was one of the reasons that some big things happened between seasons one and two. That, um, yeah, we're not going to go there. But that's one of the reasons that there were some major wholesale roster changes. So having a fair and balanced line that could score and play defense for line two is very important. Line three, I saw it's still a question mark, but my line three is Carlson. Why am I drawing a blank on the other winger right now? Carlson, Nick Wah on the wing. Nick Wah on the wing. We're going to leave the other wing spot open for a second. My line four, Howden, Colasar, and uh, Carrier. I think that is still a good energy line right there. It's not a line that's going to scare people and you're going to you know, think about like Ryan Reeves or Tom Wilson or stuff like that, but it's a good energy, tough line that is going to be very hard to play against. That can still put up points. So let's go back to the line three winger position. Again, we have Wah, we have Carlson. That is a very good two-way line right there. They can both play great defense. Carlson is one of our top penalty killers, as Nick Wah can help with that department as well. Plus, Carlson has put up goals, folks. Say what you want. Carlson has scored in the past. We know Nick Watt is up uh, is on the upward trajectory of his career as far as goals. So that wing spot, this is where I think there is the biggest competition outside of goaltending now. Uh, this is where I think the biggest competition exists for this VGK roster. And I think there's six players that are going to make a case to be on that third line. Manaman for Swan. And then going back to the AHL players, Paul Cotter, LeCision, Ron Bjerg, Pavel Dorofiev. I think any one of those six or seven players, I think the best one that comes out of camp is going to be the one that could possibly complement that third line. Whether it's my combinations or not, 
I still think that position is up for grabs amongst those players. Um, I can make a case for probably each and every one of those players to have a shot. Man, I mean, obviously that's our lottery ticket, right? That's our, you know, that's our lottery ticket. A small player that can score some very amazing goals. I watched, I did watch a YouTube monologue of his, of Manaman's goals and he's got finishing touch. Uh, Brisson, everyone's very high on him. Everyone's very high on, on Brisson and what he did of going back to his Michigan days. And then obviously what he did at the AHL level for his short time. Um, and then, you know, we know, we know, we, we kind of know who Cotter, Dorothea, Lecision and uh, Ron Beergall are. I like Lecision, but and Lecision could be good. I mean, Lecision could be a good way to balance that line, right? Nick Waugh and William Carlson could be more of the offensive touch, and Lecision did very well playing in all the lines last year. So if line three starts off, starts off, that is, as Carlson, Waugh, Lecision, I'm okay to roll the dice with that and see what happens. Okay. And, uh, you know, remember, remember uh, there was a line combination somewhere that had Nolan Patrick on that third line. I don't even know. I Yeah, I, I mean, if he's healthy, then probably yes. But I yes. think we can, especially with the Aiden Hill signing, I think we can pencil Tim Pat, uh, Nolan Patrick is not starting the season. No, on LTIR. The LTIR, for yes. sure. But, you know, something about Kelly McCrimmon when he did say uh, that uh, when they signed Phil Kessel that he's a top nine player a top nine player. So that makes me think that, yes, he'll be on the power play, very effective there, and you talk about his passing. But I think he's going to start off perhaps on the third line, unless, let's say, Mark Stone is not available, then perhaps you move him up. I just look for speed on that top line to keep up with Eichel. And I don't know if Kessel is that player. And now, again, in the sort of twilight of his career, if he's going to be able to be that durable, that player, that durable player that can skate up and down the ice with Jack Eichel. He's not very fast and his skating has slowed down too. That's my major concern. Marcia so, okay, I dig it. I, I can live with that, but I don't know about Kessel on the top line. Uh, and I think he might start to say they're not going to touch the misfits, the holy grail of VDK. They will not touch him for some reason. They don't want to break him up. But they're going to have to this season. I don't know. Cassidy did make the comment that he's going to experiment with combinations and stuff like that. Um, whether that that holds true or not, I mean, I don't know if the Misfit line was necessarily when they were together last year. They didn't really feel like they had that same spark, and maybe a lot of that's William Carlson right now. Um, but again, I'm holding out hope for William Carlson that he just couldn't get it going in the DeBoer system. Two two years with Gallant, over 20 goals each time. Obviously, the breakout, and then I think 24 goals in his second campaign, which felt like a major letdown, but maybe that's you know where he could have kept going had Gallant still been the coach. I'm really just simply hoping the DeBoer system is what kept Carlson's production down, and Cassidy is going to find a way to get that going again. And if Carlson gets 20 goals as a third liner with the other two lines clicking, then yeah. And to your point, who replaces Stone, whether Stone is line one or line two, uh, that's, you know, that's where it gets tough because I really think when you watch uh, a situation where a player is gone, the coaches try not to mix up all the lines. They try and move usually one player up. It could even be a call-up situation or someone from that, you know, fourth line, depending who our fourth line is. Enter Nick Wah, obviously, who, you know, was penciled as the line four center coming out of camp. And that changed dramatically once the season started. So that would be a good uh, contender to bring up. Um, I don't necessarily uh, advocate that I want to see Keegan Colasar replace Mark Stone on line one or two, or even uh, Carrier for that matter. But, you know, try to keep lines one and two intact and you, you put, you 
uh, plug and pull, if you will, from line three or line four, or even from, uh, you know, from our scratches or something like that, from any mix of Dorothea, Cotter, Lecision, Ronbjerg, Manaman, and Braswan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I like what you said there about Manaman, that he can finish because he played for Finland. It's really good. Very smart. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm ahead like, of the curve. It's Friday. I'm I do like consistency on lines. And I think that things sort of started to go sideways for Pete DeBoer a season ago when he started to more or less even go deeper further into mixing up lines. And there was no chemistry. And then my X factor for this season is Nick Waugh because Nick Waugh, they're going to move around. But are they going to get to the point where they can roll four lines with consistent players that know each other, that build the chemistry, and that can work together on the ice. Cause I like, I like consistent lines. I don't like where they're mixing and matching. And that's where things I felt really went sideways for Pete DeBoer, injuries notwithstanding. So that one glorious game right against the Sharks, uh, where we needed a win to basically control our playoff destiny entering the last three or four games of the season, right? You know, everything's looking good. And then of all people, what Colasar goes down mixing up the lines and stuff like that. But that game did have a different feel because we were rotating four lines for those first two periods of that game. We were smothering them. We were absolutely smothering the Sharks. And I think it's because we were rolling four lines. There wasn't an, an inkling in my head that we were going to even go to overtime, let alone lose that game based on the way the first two periods went. I really thought, OK, this is our turning point. This is our turning points. And then, unfortunately, Colasar goes down, juggles the lines a little bit. And, again, Colasar going down is not why the season was lost, folks. Let's pump the brakes on that a little bit here. But having those four lines, and that goes back to season one, you know, with Gallant in season two as well, having four lines coming at you is extremely difficult to defend. And this VGK fourth line, if it does end up being either Wa, Colasar, or Carrier, or you, you interject Howden into that mix, if that's your fourth line, then we're coming at you in waves this year, folks. We will be attacking in waves like a lot of the top-tiered NHL teams will be with the line four that will absolutely punish you. Again, we don't got, you know, Reeves who's going to, you know, do his thing and all that. But Reeves also, you know, he's six, seven minutes a game on a good day, whereas our line four players are going to get 10-plus minutes. And even, you know, even in the 12, 13 minutes a game, Playing, you know, 20, 25 shifts against uh, that fourth line, that's not going to be fun for any of the opposing team's lines because that is a very physical line. Are they going to drop the gloves and fight a lot? For Colasar's safety, I hope not, but they're going to punish you. You're going to have to earn every single inch of ice against uh, Colasar and Carrier. Where does your guy Amadio fit in here, Michael Amadio? You tell um, him a lot. Jeez, I didn't even mention Amadio. I forgot about Amadio. Yeah, Mario should be uh, in, actually okay. I'm going to walk that back a little bit. That's probably as I was in my fog last night, uh, falling asleep trying to think about this segment. Old I probably didn't even think yeah, about a lot Amadio. of old fashions on a Thursday night. No, no, it. no. I did nothing last night. Like I had a late night. We had a late dinner because we weren't hungry. So I think uh, we uh, we may or may not have gone to Freddy's and a PC B and B might have been in the mix as well afterwards. But um, it's a ice cream Sunday, folks. Don't think anything weird there. But um. Yeah, I know. I forgot. I honestly forgot about Amadio in this entire chat. I think Amadio probably would be the one to take that line three position. And then that pushes with all who? the. With who now? 
No, I, I would I would say line I would say he would bump out that you know the Dorothea of Lecision, you know, Romberg okay. and all that. I That's would say fair. he would bump that out. Um, but one of those nine players I just mentioned will be the one to potentially take Mark Stone's spot. And maybe Amadio is the one to take Mark Stone's spot, assuming, and I think it's safe to assume he might miss a little bit of time, you know, because VGK is very sensitive about the situation all of a sudden. Coming up next, of course, it is time for What the Friday WTF. More after this, Locked On Golden Knights. Are you one of those people who thinks that it's okay to drive stones? What is the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Nope, wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you are high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill, especially on Labor Day weekend. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick on this Labor Day weekend edition of Locked On Golden Knights. We're going to take Monday off, Chris. Okay, so I guess we're both dismissed. Spend time with the kiddos and go get that PBJ or whatever that concoction was that you were talking about at Fast Freddy's. No, it's not Fast Freddy's. That's the car wash, isn't it? At Freddy's, whatever that is. Okay, let's move on. WTF. What the... Friday. So I want to start off with, uh, uh, I guess, Joey Howard had a good uh, what the Friday. What the? Still no enforcer? Still no enforcer. We'll watch a team that we saw a replay of last season because every team is kicking the blank out of the VGK. Remember how they used to uh, just take shots at our goalie, slam into our goalie? What the? Why no enforcer? Why no enforcer on this team? I'm begging. We have 15 goalies on VGK. We need an enforcer. That, that, that's fair. That's fair. And that's a good one. And it's it's a new NHL, folks. Uh, it's a new NHL. I think that's the best answer to that. Um, so my what the Friday, besides my WTF myself for completely forgetting Michael Amadio, I'm glad you saved me on that, Tony, because otherwise uh, I know I would got attacked. Like we, the show's up and coming, folks. But that, how we know this is we're getting interactions on Twitter and YouTube. <laughs> and and I, I, sincerely, I guess, thank you for that. Right, wrong, or otherwise, folks, if you don't like what we're saying, tell us. Be a if fan. you like what yeah, we're saying, be a fan. tell us. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, folks, I'm going to come back at you out there. I'm not going to be mean. And we're going to have a good conversation. I take none of this nonsense personally. It's it's fun and we talk and I will give a reply every time I possibly can. Um, so my what the Friday outside of forgetting one of our uh, one of our players it is about the whole Hutchinson Hill situation. <laughs> but it's it's to myself. I've actually been stressing myself out trying to figure out what the heck or WTF what the Friday that is. What is Michael Hutchison doing on this VGK roster? And honestly, part of me thinks that the Robin Leonard injury was unexpected. And here's why. We sign Hutchinson somewhere in mid-July. I believe July 14th was the date. At that time, I think VGK believed LT was going to be healthy coming out of camp. I think there were concerns about Leonard and or Brassois not being able to start the season. VGK was probably confident that one of them was going to miss the first few six, seven games at the most. You don't want to have to roll out Patera or, you know, Seville from the AHL to cover in case LT goes down. So you have Hutchinson there who can chew minutes if absolutely 
necessary. Now enter the picture. Uh, Robin Leonard is gone for the year. Here comes Aiden Hill all of a sudden. And I just think that myself, you know, again, this is a WTF to myself. I was stressing out, like, why is Hutchinson here? All he's going to do now as a result of all this is two minutes at the AHL level. And VGK is wasting, you know, three quarters of a million dollars, ha- you know, having him tied up here because now he might be chewing starts away from someone like Patera or Seville who are developing very nicely and one day may become uh, competent NHL goaltenders in Vegas or otherwise. So WTF to myself, Golic, for uh, losing uh, losing sleep over Michael Hutchinson. Okay. What the Vegas Bjorn, William Carlson, cut off his locks. Not disappointed, really had no emotional attachment to his golden locks or anything. You were him. You were him. However, I got my hair cut that morning, and I should have had Kylie, who is his hairdresser, who I know. I should have had Kylie post Instagram photos, videos uh, of me getting my hair cut. What the? And you know what? This fanboy stuff has to end. Quit going on his Instagram and taking those photos and posting them as yours on your Twitter feed. What the Friday? All right, so I I just got a good one. I only had one, but I got a good one. You ready? My what the Friday is for Tony Cordasco. He follows Chandler Stevenson's wife on Instagram and now knows William Carlson's hairdresser and is quoting their tweets. What the Friday Cordasco. (laughs) Okay. What the, and you might get, this might launch you into something else that you posted on Twitter. Uh Oh, what the golden Knights, the golden Knights, T-Mobile arena has the most expensive beer in the national hockey league at $14. So it is our $6.50. It's more just per ounce or the smallest one or however that goes or whatever. I don't know what the equation was, but I saw a nice graphic, you know, that was posted on Twitter. Uh, along with Chandler Stevenson's wife posting about going to Tom Wilson's wedding and all that. It spilled the tea. Hot dogs are $7.50, Chris Golick. Okay. Allegiant Stadium. They've got the $3 hot dogs. They've got the $3 pretzels, the small sodas, all of that. Lower the stinking prices. Take there. A lot of people like the Gallics are going, families are going to these games. It's an arm and a stinking leg, and you can't even get – this is why people are getting loaded before the games. They're pregame, right, out in the parking lot and everywhere else. So what the are they doing about these stinking concession prices? So this is Vegas. Tony, they're getting loaded either way. Let's be let's be clear about this. They're just going to pay more if they need to get reloaded while they're inside T-Mobile. And honestly, that is very fair. And this is something that I've hit on a lot. And I do see this in the, the fan groups and Facebook and stuff like that. You know, right after. So, OK, I'm going back to my first week or two weeks or so of experiences at T-Mobile. And like season one, we're going way, 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 way back here. And my immediate area of opportunity for the team was they needed to reach out more to the kids to rope them in. Yes, this is this is uh, the strip. It's more of an adult environment, although we're, we're a family fun city, which I think is absolute nonsense. But, you know, you need to build the fan base around the kids. I saw in Chicago, folks, in case you don't know about some of the history of the Chicago Blackhawks, dollar bill warts. Uh, the Bill Warts, the owner of the Blackhawks, previous owner before he passed away, he would not show the home games on TV because it was not fair to the season reservation holders. 
but you can still watch the road games on TV. This is back when Chicago was playing a lot more of their games against the West Coast. Being in the, They're still in the West, but they had a lot more late games then than they did now because of the way the franchises were. So in Chicago, you got all these games starting at you know, 8, 30, 9 o'clock local Chicago time. You don't get any of the kids able to watch the game and you can't grow a fan base. You lost an entire generation. So this is where I thought VGK needs more for the families at the games. And they've done that since. But to your credit, Tony, you should not have to pay $250 all in. And that might even just be for the tickets. Like that might just be for the tickets. 250 for tickets, 50, you know, 60 by the time you're done with 50 bucks a ticket, by the time you're done with the fees times four is probably closer to 300 bucks, which is nonsense as well. And then all of a sudden you're going to pay seven bucks for a hot dog times two because both of the kids want a hot dog. Uh, you're going to take them for ice cream in the back of section 220. That's another six bucks a pop right there. Uh, mommy and daddy want to have a beer for the night responsibly, but they want to have a beer. That's another, you know, $34. It's actually 30. It's actually 17, $18 a beer. So I don't know how that maybe they're factoring something else, but all right. I'm taking time, Tony. Take us home before I keep going. Okay. And next week, uh, save it for the next week's WTF. Chris Golick, we want you to spout off about. You said you were going to get me section. going. So you did. Good job. Thanks again for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen every day. Your second listen should be the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022. And get that on Odyssey and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great Labor Day weekend, everyone. Tony Cardasco, for my man Chris Golick from Las Vegas. We appreciate you listening and watching Lockdown Golden Knights.